This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. And I'm Zach Meir on this week's show, How to Be Charming. I wouldn't recommend interrupting your boss at dinner with his wife or something like that and and pulling a George Clooney moment. We're joined by podcast host Jordan Harbinger. If your agenda is to get something from the other person rather than just to make them feel good, that will come across as creepy. And we ask for his top tips from his hugely popular podcast series, The Art of Charm. And your body can't lie very well. Really important to get that dialed in. Welcome to City AM Unregulated. Hello, welcome to this week's City AM Unregulated. This week we're joined by the host of the insanely popular Art of Charm podcast, Jordan Harbinger, who joins us on Skype. Jordan, 538 episodes in, do you know what the Art of Charm is? No, you know, it's funny, I should have named it something else. I I already (laughs) regret choosing that name. And, And I'll be honest, my mom chose the name because the name I thought of was impossible to spell and really silly. And What was it? I don't even, I, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but it involved the word charismatic. And what she immediately did was she goes, how many of your friends do you think can spell the word charismatic? And I was like, well, you know, I'm laughing. And she goes, can you spell the word charismatic on the first try? And I thought, that maybe we should come up with something easier because it's going to be in URL bars and domain names. And, and at that point, of course, we were just doing a podcast in 2006, which we thought, I mean, nobody even knows what these are. We don't have to worry about this that much. Let's not, let's not waste time thinking about this. And then 10 years later, here we are with a name where we're like, yeah, could have done better. But do you feel any pressure on yourself to, be, um, to live up to the, the title of your podcast? It's actually kind of irritating. (laughs) It's a source of irritation, I should say, because what happens is whenever anyone gets even mildly irritated at me, either on the internet or in real life, they're like, that's not charming. You go, lol. Yeah, exactly. so witty. Oh, oh, yeah. Did you come up with that yourself? So that's a little bit ridiculous. But honestly, it is a little tough because my brand of charm, if if we're going by me personally, really is... Just more of a, what my friends say is like the charming rogue, where I kind of do what I, more like a Robert Downey style than a really polite. I'm trying to think of somebody very polite right now. I, I'm sure I'll hold the door and all that stuff that, that nice people do, but my brand of charm is more uncensored opinion in a way that, that is candid to the point of likability versus, oh, I know which fork to use for the salad. I mean, there's a lot of things that I would say that somebody who's, traditionally American-mannered would probably not do or say. Uh, Aren't uh, British people or British gentlemen more charming than Americans? By definition, they invented it. It's very ironic that you should ask that question, Zach. Well, I feel I'm very well qualified. I think think somebody wants a specific answer, but I'll (laughs) tell you right now that if you say anything with a British accent, we have to, Americans, even if we're like, that's, I'm pretty sure that's not true, but he did it with a British accent, so I don't know. I mean, you could say that the sun revolves around the earth, and it's like, I'm pretty sure that's wrong, but British accent, better look it up. I was thinking about kind of charm and uh, Donald Trump, if we're talking about the UK-US divide. Do you say Donald Trump is a charming man? Is that how he's got to where he is? My personal opinion, I, I don't think so at all. I think that a lot of people might for lack of another word, try to call some of his bumbles charming in that he's not trying to paint the veneer of somebody who's infallible like a lot of candidates do. However, I don't think, I mean, that's certainly not my brand of charm. I would not use the word charming for it. I think 
there's there's sort of that rand, radical, I shouldn't even say radical candor because that in, implies truth. There's a radical way of speaking that he has that I think some people find disarming, but I don't know if it's charming. Isn't the anti-charm? He is the anti-charm. Yeah, it's kind of like, look at this guy doing whatever he wants. And I think that appeals to a certain segment of the United States population that says we should be able to do whatever we want because America. And <laughs> there's a lot of people in America that don't like that. And I'm one of those people. I think I think we we actually should work on maybe joining the rest of the world instead of isolating ourselves from it. Do you think the fact that he's got where he is suggests we've lost the art of charm as a society? Well, there's certainly less by way of form formalities and politeness, but there's, there's something of an outsider angle to what he's doing that is what makes him a little bit more relevant in this scenario. So he was born into high, high privilege. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people know that he didn't make his money himself. It was left to him by his dad, right? So there's, a, and there was a lot of things that he did in the meantime where he made and lost that that cash. But then he went by way of that towards a lot of personal branding, reality television, and things like that. So it's not really, he's not really an example of society at large. I think there's plenty of Americans that would never act the way that he does anywhere. They just think, wow, I kind of wish I could do that, but given the chance, probably would not actually do that. It's more of a, again, he's playing a character, right? It's, it's reality TV. So there's an element of fantasy there that I don't think we want to see necessarily in the Oval Office. But I think that as a society as a whole, we've, we've not necessarily lost charm. People are less polite, certainly, or less formal, certainly. But again, I don't think that's what charm really entails. I think charm is more likability, the ability to generate trust, the ability to generate rapport with other people. I think that's really what, the, I think that's the important parts of charm, rather than using the right fork, knowing exactly what to say or do in a given situation, the savoir-faire element uh, of formality, I think we can remove a little bit, but I think that charm itself uh, it's it's still around. It just maybe you're right. Maybe it is more rare because people seem to value it less, even though it's more valuable now than it ever was. Okay, so so from one of the least charming people in the U.S. to one of the most charming people in the U.S., let's just listen to a clip of George Clooney speaking. I'm gonna make this quick. I came here for you. When I get on with my life, I want you with me. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. I don't do that anymore. Steal. Lie. You know what your problem is? I only have one. You've met too many people like you. I'm with Terry now. We love George Clooney. I think the whole Clearly. world loves George Clooney. But um, what, why do we love him? What makes him so charming? What makes him charming is, well, the way that it's written especially showcases a sense of, of powerful vulnerability, I think, especially in that clip, right? He's, he's First of all, he's never at a loss for words, which must be really nice. He's also got himself into these sort of exotic situations where he can take like a hard stand on something that's really attractive because most people don't do that. And then also he can be super vulnerable, put himself in front of looks. I, I imagine in that scene there's a, a couple on a date or something and he wants, is that Julia Roberts? I don't is, know yeah. who that is. That's Ocean's Eleven. That yeah. Clip. Oh, that's right. Okay. It's been a million years since I've seen that. And so she's probably at dinner with somebody else who's maybe a rival of George Clooney. So he goes up and he puts, the stakes are really high. He puts it all on the line. He showcases his vulnerability. He's not even talking to the guy. He's just addressing her. She's fighting back. He's unfazed. I mean, that's charming. 
So how can we transfer that to the workplace? How can we all be more like George Clooney at work? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend interrupting your boss at dinner with his wife or something like <laughs> that and, and pulling a George Clooney moment to uh, so do that at your own risk. But I think that the brand of charm we're looking at bringing into the workplace is completely different. I think what we're looking at here is the ability to generate trust, the ability to get others to like and trust you and to believe in your vision. And that's done through things like nonverbal and verbal communication. Uh, of course, the trust angle, a lot of the likability stuff can be done over time, but there are definitely things we can do to improve the way that we impress ourselves upon others, the way that we get other people to, to do things that we want them to do. There's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. Most people try to do it by force, by pulling rank in the office or by manipulation. And those are not, those are not the ways that successful leaders operate. Um, compliments, you know, if you're reading about charm, you, you often read about why it's important to compliment people. How do you do that without being a bit creepy? Uh, the way that you compliment people without being creepy, I think it has to do with the intention behind the compliment. So, for example, if you if if you're putting this into a a dating context, which is really easy to see where this goes wrong, it's harder to see at work context, right? So, I'll put it into a dating context where it's really obvious to see this go wrong. If you're if your agenda is to get something from the other person rather than just to make them feel good or if you're trying to make them feel good so that they do something that you want them to do, that will come across as creepy. And the reason for that is because your emotions and your agenda or your expression and your agenda are incongruent. What I mean by that is if a, if a guy comes up to a girl and says, hey, I really like xyz this thing or like hey i really like that dress and he's with his girlfriend and they're on a date and the the girl that he's complimenting is you know standing in line for coffee it can be very appropriate it can be a very nice thing to do it can be very charming however if a guy compliments her and says something in it but you can tell by his nonverbal communication by his vocal tonality and things like that that what he's really thinking is all right i'm going to start a conversation with her about this dress or this handbag or whatever it is and i'm going to dot 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 profit i'll, I'll leave it at that right he's got some <laughs> ulterior motive she's going to feel some of that. She might not necessarily know what it is. He might not necessarily know that he's exuding that, but it's really, really hard for our bodies to lie. It's really hard. And uh, our words lie very easily. We're very well practiced with that by age nine or so, age eight, probably wow. even younger. Yeah, so does, does not mean this is like uh, in nature and nurture and you can't, you know, if you don't, if you're a creep, you remain a creep. And if you're charming, you, <laughs> you, keep, you keep on being charming. Not, not really, because the the idea of having an agenda is completely on you, right? If you're, if you, if every time you speak to a female, or and, and again, I'm keeping this in a dating context because it's so obvious to see where this goes wrong, and I think both men and women can see examples where this has gone wrong in their daily life versus at work where it might be more complicated setup, but. If if you are constantly talking with people with an agenda, that's the problem that you're having. So what we need to do is remove the agenda, which can be very, very hard for people to do if they're really accustomed to only talking with people that they want something from. But that's a huge change that would change your life. If you could change the reasons uh, that you're interacting with people and go from what's in it for me or I'm looking for this to just actually trying to help other people or deliver what we call give value to other people 
people, by being a positive influence, by being somebody who's helpful and in, in work in personal situations. I mean, these types of things, we can change that. It's completely within your control. It's just that most people don't bother. So what if what if I did want something from the other person? And I'm thinking specifically here of charming my boss into giving me a pay rise. How would I go about that without seeming like I have an agenda, as you say? Sure. I mean, and it's perfectly fine to have an agenda. Let me let me be perfectly candid here. It's it's great to have an agenda. It just has to be on the table, right? It has to be something that's not hidden. And so if you're looking for a pay raise, you would make an appointment and this would be, I mean, this is more tactical than, than charm, but the principles still remain. You'd make an appointment, you would go in and you'd be fully prepared rather than Hey, I really like working here. You're, you look great today. Can I have a raise? I mean, that's not <laughs> how you would do that, right? Obviously. But if you went in and you had details of how what your work had how your work had impacted the company, how you are actually worth more financially to the company, you might not even have to pinpoint those numbers. Uh, but you could bring that to your boss. And and that's, for example, a much more I, I hate to you overuse the word, but it's a much more charming way to ask for a raise and it's a much more effective way than saying, look, I got a job offer from this other company, it's $5,000 higher, can you match it? If not, I'm leaving. That's a, that's a lot less charming. And what, what I mean by charming is we're using influence switches in the right way or the wrong way, right? If, you're, if you go in and you say, look, ultimatum, here's what I need, here's what's gonna happen, consequences if you don't give it to me, those are influence switches, but they're low, I would say, on the charm totem pole, right? You're not necessarily going to be well-liked for doing that. You're going to build some bad will, some bad blood from doing that. But if you do it in a way that is valuable for the person that you're talking to, that's the key in literally every single situation. Hey, look, I really love working here. I want to keep working here. Yes, I did get another offer from another place, but don't worry about that. I'm not even thinking about leaving because I think we can figure this out. Here's some projects that I work on that that I worked on that were successful over the past six months to a year. These are really good. Did these bring positive financial contribution to the company? Did these help out our bottom line? If so, I would really love to be compensated for similar projects like that in the future. Here's what I had in mind. You know, you, you can be as charming as you like, and I'm sure even George Clooney has moments where uh, he runs out of things to say or there's a pause. I mean, how would you deal with with those pregnant pauses? Let's say that's those are funny because. People immediately, when there's silence, they always assume it's their fault. And most people do that. So you can either, and I suggest you do both of these things, you can either become comfortable with quote-unquote silence, which is fine, and and very hard to do if you're on a date, but, but also a really good idea to become comfortable with silence at some point. You can also call it out. This is very common in the United States now, especially uh, in personal situations. If there's an awkward silence, one person could just say, all right, awkward silence. <laughs> and everybody will start laughing because it, it's such a common phenomenon, right, to, to have that happen. The other thing is, honestly, you can, depending on the situation, you can excuse yourself. I don't recommend this if you're you know, on, on a one-on-one -on -one date or a meeting with somebody, you just leave. That, that would be a little bit extreme. But well, Run to the uh, toilet? Right, yeah. I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't go to the toilet five times in one, in one short period of time. You might look like you have some kind of other disorder. But Frankly, the the awkward silence thing becomes far less of a problem when you're not looking to impress. It comes back to agenda, funnily enough. When you're not looking to impress the other person, which is hard to do, awkward silence happens so much less, and I'll tell you why. 
when you're focused on the other person, we can talk about ourselves constantly. The problem is when we're talking about ourselves and we have the agenda point of trying to impress somebody else. So if we get them instead talking about themselves, they're not going to run out of things to say. They're not going to run out of conversation. If I'm meeting with somebody and I get them talking about themselves, their business, what they're up to, there's very rarely is there an awkward silence because they're going to continue talking. And if as soon as they stop, I'm going to ask another question about what they do because I'm actually interested and because I'm actually listening, I'm not going to run out of questions either. We run out of questions, we run out of things to ask or do or say when we're, li- when we're thinking about, all right, I need them to ask about my business and find out how cool what I'm doing do you, is. So that do you they not like- ever feel kind of awkward talking about yourself though? Because... I don't talk about myself. I have other people talk about themselves. Okay. That's the key. So yes, I do, but it doesn't matter because I'm getting them to talk about themselves with questions, not the other way around. And what about eye contact? Because some people love having eye contact. Other people freak out about it. Yeah, that's a confidence thing. I used to freak out about it a lot as well, or I'd look at the ground when somebody's eyes met mine or something like that. And then later in my 20s, I started to just go, wait a minute, this is a symptom that's going away. I wonder why this is. And part of it is because the social interaction, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, is gone. And that's very true. But that can also be a cultural thing. There are a lot of Asian cultures, eye contact is not super polite. A lot of people won't make it. What's lucky for us is being... Being a member of Western culture, we don't have to worry about those things as much because if we commit faux pas, we kind of get a little bit of a pass, right? Because we're foreign. So I would say if you're afraid of eye contact, look at why. It's not because you're afraid of eye contact. There's something else going on there. It's probably a confidence issue and can be fixed. So Jordan, what's the magic bullet of all the 538 episodes you've done in your podcast? What's the the, the one thing that everybody should try and uh, do? Sure. Well, we we have a whole toolkit about this at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. It's a bunch of different pilot episodes, you could say, about nonverbal communication especially. So I'd say if I had to pick one thing that was the magic bullet out of the hundreds of of episodes – this is far from a single bullet, but body language and nonverbal communication, both reading it and exhibiting positive and open and friendly body language in yourself. These are really, really important because this is your first impression. This is what most people see first. They don't hear you speak. They see your nonverbal communication. So that's it's just absolutely crucial. And again, your body can't lie very well. I mentioned that earlier. And what that means is people are judging your confidence, your competence, your friendliness, your openness, your level of, of competence. Everything is positively linked or negatively linked, I should say, to your nonverbal communication, your body language. So it's really important to get that dialed in. And the only way to really do it is to get your mind right. Because again, you, you really can't fake it. Your body can't lie that convincingly. So when we work on that, the, the problem solves itself. And if you want to know more about body language, check out our How to Be the Most Interesting Person in the Room episode, which was about five episodes ago. Well, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you for being utterly charming, Jordan. You got it. Thanks for having me on. With thanks to Jordan Harbinger and the Art of Charm team, this has been City AM Unregulated. Remember, you can listen to the podcast on cityam.com or download via iTunes or Audioboom to listen on the go. City AM Unregulated is an Audioboom production. Boom production.